Are you single like a Pringle ready to mingle? If so, this episode's for you. It's about time because we're going there. Hi, friends. Welcome back to day two of the Love Is series. I'm your host, Bianca Wattis-Oltoff, and I love love. When I was single, people would always share some platitude with me about being patient and just wait for the one to come my way. Worse yet, they would treat my singleness as if it was like a waiting room that I was trying to get cured of my disease of singleness. Let me be very clear. I did want a relationship, but I wasn't some weak-willed limp princess waiting for someone to come along and rescue me. I had already been rescued by a man by the name of Jesus, but I did want a partner to go out and do life with. If you're single or you know somebody who is single, share this episode with them. Because I know many people, though they might be content in their singleness, there's a whole lot of people that do want to be in a relationship. And the last thing that you want to hear in those moments is be patient. I get it. But if we take a cue from our brother Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, the first attribute he uses to define love is this powerful declaration. If you've been with us in yesterday's podcast, you'll know that our theme for this week is 1 Corinthians 13. And let's check out 1 Corinthians 13, 4. Paul says this, love is patient. Ooh, child, that is not my strong suit. Okay, so from movies to magazines to media, this is not how the world is defining love, sex, and relationships. The world will tell you, well, if you feel it, do it. If you've lost that feeling, then quit on the relationship. Hook up with whoever you want and do whatever you want because you only live once, YOLO. Maybe some phrases that you've heard in dating is this example of test driving cars to see which one you like best. But when I left high school and entered college, my church community really didn't know what to do with singles. I mean, don't get me wrong. We were valued, but esteem came when you fit into this mold of what they thought you should be. The church knew how to talk to married couples, teens, and kids, but where did the single person fit? Now, as a church leader and as a pastor, I am adamant and passionate about this phrase and say it often at church. You do not have to have a significant other to be significant. I'm going to say it twice because it's that good. You do not have to have a significant other to be significant. Whether you are male or female, young or old, married, widowed, or divorced, you have to know this. Your singleness is not a curse. Your singleness is not a disease. Your singleness is not a problem. Your singleness doesn't make you less than. Marriage isn't the prize for being the most beautiful or a better person. And sure, maybe you're listening to this and you're like, oh, that's easy for you to say because you're married. And that's true. But for a long time, I wasn't. And I swore to myself that I would never forget what it felt like to be completely alone and feel completely unchosen. To see the invites progress from college graduations to engagement parties to weddings and then to baby showers all while feeling like my life stayed exactly the same. The kids in the youth group that I served in, they were actually getting married and inviting me to their wedding while I was still single. The irony. But during this time, I learned from Paul the Apostle. Paul knew that he could maximize his kingdom impact by not getting married. That's why he said in 1 Corinthians 7, 8, Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Friends, it needs to be said that marriage, as well as singleness, are gifts from God, and neither is better than the other. However, Paul, who was not married, shared that he wished that everyone would have the same amount of time that he had to devote themselves to God's ministry. This was possible because he didn't have others to care for, like a wife or children. Therefore, the Bible verse on being single shows that you are at an advantage when it comes to serving God because you can devote yourself completely. 
Paul says the same thing in verse 34. He says, an unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. And perhaps the greatest temptation in singleness is to assume marriage will meet our unmet needs, solve our weaknesses, organize our lives, or unleash our gifts. Far from the solution, Paul makes marriage out to be some sort of problematic plan B for the Christian life and ministry. Have you ever thought about it that way? When I read it and I was preparing for this podcast, I realized, yeah, this is like plan B. So Paul is saying, hey, marry if you must, but be warned that following Jesus is not easier when you join yourself to another sinner in a fallen world. Now, I will go ahead and add, while marriage will add joy and help and relief sometimes in different areas or in seasons, it immediately multiplies our distractions because we're responsible for another person, their, his needs or her needs, their dreams, their growth. It's a high calling and a good calling, but a demanding one. In this beautiful season of singleness you might find yourself in, you will have potential to focus on God and your purpose in life outside of someone else. According to a Time Magazine article that came out recently, one of the greatest gifts of singleness is that you have a chance to figure out what you want out of life. Dr. Jamie Tights, clinical psychologist and author of How to Be Single and Happy, looks at being single as your chance to figure out your own personal quote unquote mission statement. She says that this is a critical time to figure out who you are and what you want to stand for. When we're not in a relationship, we really have some time to get clear about what matters to us and what we value. And she says that it is that time that we can recalibrate and reflect on lessons learned from past relationships. Being single is the perfect time to reassess who you are and what you want out of life. What changes do you need to make? What classes or associations or new attitudes do you want to develop? You now have the time and ability to focus on the one consistent factor that will create the change that you're seeking yourself. So we need to decide how we're going to live our life. There's no guarantee that marriage is in our cards. I mean, statistically speaking, it's not for everyone. Now I had to make a decision in my singleness that I was going to maximize the life that I wanted, whether I got married or not. And at some point today, I pray that you realize that your impact, your efficacy, your significance doesn't depend on your marital status. In my singleness, uh, when I realized like my twin sister, she met her high school sweetheart, well, in high school, and they ended up getting married at 24. So I saw them in a long-term relationship and all my friends started getting like married around 23, 24, 25. And here I am, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28. And I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? Because I don't want to wait around for someone to like deem me worthy or chosen. So I made a decision hey, I'm going to travel the world. I'm going to plan trips for people to go and experience great parts of the country. I helped do that at my church. And that was like a volunteer role to organize trips. I went to Alaska. I went to Greece. We went to Italy. We went to Israel. It was amazing time because I just knew I was going to maximize my time in my singleness. I also went to graduate school. I, well, well, truth be known, I went to grad school because I think I wanted to delay like adulting. I moved back home. Yeah. Desperate times, desperate measures, friends. Also, I served in youth ministry and I realized that with the time that I had, I wanted to invest in the next generation. And the beautiful thing is many of those youth from that youth ministry now are part of the Father's House Orange County. So friends, the question I'm asking, and I'm going to speak to a primarily female audience because that's who's listening to the podcast, but for the men out there, hey, follow some of the podcast listeners. You might find your woman. Hello. Okay. So the question I like taking a look at when it comes to maximizing our time and what are we doing in our proverbial fields of life is, did we see Rebecca, Rebecca from the Bible, did we see Rebecca post provocative photos on social media trying to get some guy to like hit 
or head her up and holler at her? No. Did Ruth, Old Testament Ruth, did she wait around praying for someone to ping her on Tinder? No. Did Rachel wait around like some thirsty girl for Jacob? No. Each one of these women were busy working in their fields. Before you waste your life sitting idly by waiting for someone to marry you and make you matter, identify what season you're in. Maybe you are in a work season where you are grinding. You know, you know what? I have capacity. I'm going to work in this season. I'm going to build up my business. I'm going to take this next job advancement, whatever it is. Maybe you're in a work season. Maybe you are in a get mentally healthy season. Yes, take your time to do that. Maybe you are in a get out of debt season. Hello, somebody. That's the time to do it because you do not want to enter in marriage in debt. That's a word for somebody out there. Okay. Before trying to land your potential spouse, what if we sought to discover if we were the right person? So instead of looking for the right man, become the right woman, okay? And I'll reverse that. Instead of trying to find the right woman, become the right man. Passionate about dating and doing self-inventory to see if we're ready to date, I have created the VDS. Well, what is that? It's the Viable Dating Score. By truthfully answering these questions, you will at least have a basic idea as to whether or not you should or are ready to date. Are you ready? Okay, I want you to answer these questions. And if you're really serious about this, hey, write it down in your journal. Number one, how is your walk with God? I know, I know you're probably thinking like, that's so basic, Bianca, but listen, 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 listen. If you aren't living your life with Jesus, you ain't got no business trying to hook up and bring someone into the junk of your life into their life. How is your walk with God? Take that walk seriously because it will naturally mature you and push you into the person that God wants you to be. And that's the best version of yourself. Question number two, how emotionally healthy are you? Okay, this is a tough one. I don't want you to rate yourself. I want you to ask your friends to rate you. Hello. Because sometimes we are unaware of our emotional state. Their honest assessment will help you and your future partner prepare and address those issues. Number one, how's your walk with God? Number two, how emotionally healthy are you? And three, lastly, do you have a job? Oh, friends, yes, a J-O-B. This is not vanity. This is responsibility. You can work in the White House or a warehouse, but you need to take your life seriously. Are you responsible enough to enter into a relationship with somebody else? Friends, as we close out this podcast, I want to remind you to maximize the season you're in. So maybe you're listening to this and you're married or you're widowed or you're divorced or you're single. Hey, maximize this season. No one more than our savior, Jesus Christ, demonstrated the power of a life of singleness. I'm not sure every person will get married, but I'm positive that even in your singleness, God has a plan for you. Remember, love is patient. I can't wait to dive into the topic tomorrow. If this podcast has been a resource and asset for you, hey, share it with your friends, post on social media, tag me at Bianca Oltoff so we can reshare, post, and get this word out there. Love you.